Welcome to Essential, a podcast dedicated to communication at work in the 21st century. I'm Stacey Epstein, CEO of Think, and we host guests from a variety of places, including academics, analysts, investors, and users of modern communication technologies. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Eduardo Plessner. He is Eduardo is the founder and CEO of Fearless Communicators a dynamic public speaking coaching agency that empowers leaders and change makers. Welcome, Eduardo. It's so great to be uh, on this call, and, you know, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I, I was looking at the, the different guests uh, that you bring, academics, analysts, investors, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are many hats that I wear, and I was an actor for 15 years. So oh, I don't boy. Know I'm the first actor that you've had on this podcast. Um, I think the, you're the first actor, or maybe the first paid actor. The first paid actor, yes, yes, yes. I was, <laughs> luckily, I, I was a paid actor, too, which is lovely. So uh, my background, you know, my family is Cuban. From uh, I'm, from, I'm from Miami. My family fled Spain because of Franco and Cuba because of Castro. And I grew up in Miami, Florida, and as a little kid, you know, as someone who was bilingual and, and bicultural, you know, I, I, I was a little, you know, free and carefree and all about, you know, sharing and being open. And then I had a situation in second grade during show and tell uh, when I basically said, you know, I, I, it, I had a stuffed animal seal and I said, seals are mammals. They live in the water. They eat fish. Sometimes they're eaten by sharks. And I was like, this is amazing. And the teacher said, um, do you have anything you want to share and anything else? And I was like, yeah. And I said, I named him after someone in this class. And the moment oh I said exactly. And then super courageously, I said, I named him after Brett MacGyver. Now, the okay. name of the is Sammy the Seal. And I just, for some reason, chose to give the name of someone who I had a crush on in second grade. So basically mm-hmm. out of my in 1982, Miami, Florida. And then I had this experience, which is that when I'm standing in front of a group of people to speak, I can't be myself. I can't speak mm-hmm. the truth. And if I do, it's dangerous. And that moment of trauma from like being again in second grade, it carries me to this day. You know, and I think many of us, you know, 74% of people suffer from speech anxiety. I believe like another 25% lie, uh, you know. Uh, I think that there's there's something that we carry about you know a fear of being uh, you know called out or not being good enough or uh, you know maybe someone corrected us when we were in school or maybe we had a parent who overly corrected us when we spoke. So you know there's a lot of you know anxiety that people bring to the event of speaking, and I was somebody who definitely had that, and it took me Hmm. becoming an actor in a training in conservatory. To one, be comfortable playing other people, to ultimately be comfortable playing myself. Interesting. And that's my commitment. You know, that people stand in their own authenticity, their own power, their own voice without apology and speak the truth so they can share their message and transform audiences and ultimately transform the world. Interesting. I love it. So, so very much in keeping with the topic of my podcast, which is communication at work in the 21st century, although I think you're obviously talking about communication in any kind of a public speaking environment. So I've done public speaking for decades now, and I've also been, with a marketing background, have been responsible for putting on lots of 
shows and events and presentations where other people speak. So I found myself in a position of coaching other people. And it's always very interesting to me that you can sit down one-on-one or in a small group and have a conversation with someone and they can get their point across very effectively. But put them on stage mm-hmm. and even even in a dress rehearsal when there's no audience, right? It's just something about being up there on stage. Suddenly that voice is gone. All of that confidence, all of that knowledge just goes out the door. So I know in your work, um, and I'll let you explain what you're doing now with your work, but in your work, you really encourage people to, to find that voice as they're in a public setting speaking. So I'll ask you a couple questions. One is, why is it so important to find that voice? And number two, how do people find it when they get up there and suddenly everything that they can do in a one-on-one setting goes out the door? How do they find that voice? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that there, the one thing is that there, we all have a story and it sounds a little cliche, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but, but there, there is an understanding of the universe, an understanding of your level or your area of expertise that is colored by your personal experience that is unique and important. And, you know, imagine how many great ideas suffer not being voiced because someone doesn't have the confidence to share that idea. And I mean, you're obviously an executive. You've been in rooms. I'm sure you're eager, you know, for that, you know, idea that's going to rock the product, that's going to, you know, explode, you know, that, you know, the beginning of something really, truly great. And sometimes, you know, you may be sitting on that idea and your fear of sharing that or your fear of being judged prevents you from speaking up. You know, so imagine what what is, you know, the conversations that we're not having on this planet that we need to be having that are being blocked by someone's fear of being heard. So that's, that's the thing, that's the reason why I think the voice is important. And the thing is, there's so many platforms now that we have to amplify our voice. So traditional stages, that's sure, but there's social media, there's Facebook Live, there's Instagram. You know, there's uh, there's so many platforms that we have. There's so many uh, modes that we have to engage in dialogue and to share our voice. So that's the first thing. Now, the second thing, and I think this is the, the challenge with speaking. First of all, there's no such thing as private speaking. It's all public speaking. So, <laughs> you know, when I say that in my workshops, people start laughing, and it's true because you're having a conversation one-on-one with someone. There's no difference between you having a conversation with one person and then you standing in front of a group of, you know, 500, 600, 1,000, 5,000, 20,000. The issue is scale. And I think the biggest challenge that people have is that they see public speaking as an intellectual exercise. They don't see it as a physical exercise or an emotional exercise. And what happens is when you're speaking, specifically on show, when you're standing on that stage, your body is present and you're not aware of what your body is doing that's getting in the way of your speaking. So I'll give you one of my biggest, one of my favorite hacks. Uh, do you know what they tell you not to do when you're standing at attention in the military? What's that? Lock your knees. If you lock your knees, you pass out. The same thing in marching band. So when you're standing at attention, you stand at attention for a long time, uh, your, 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 the locked knees actually cut your circulation and they make you breathe very shallow and you start hyperventilating yourself. So what happens for most people when they're standing on a stage speaking, 
there's a moment of fear and doubt that's probably triggered by some thought, which is, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm a sham, I'm an imposter, someone's going to figure me out, I didn't do enough. There's some limiting self-belief that is present, and that triggers a physical response, and that's tension, and that's blocking. What happens is people start hyperventilating. And when they start hyperventilating, they're not getting enough oxygen, their mind starts racing, their mind starts blanking, their hands start getting sweaty, and then they have no voice because the voice is connected to the breath. So when I work with my clients, we always begin with the body. And my background, my training as an actor is where I have access to that. Because as an actor, your tool, your, your body is the instrument. And you're very aware of how your body is participating. So you can use the body, you can use the breath, you can breathe from your diaphragm. I call it, my singing teacher in grad school called it the zorch, which I think is a far more fabulous word than the diaphragm. It's actually a little bit below your diaphragm. It's your lower dentien in Eastern medicine. Uh, it's your um, orange chakra. So it's a, it's a space of, uh, of creativity, of sensuality, of power. That's where you want to be speaking from. And what happens is people are triggered, they're afraid, and they're speaking from a place of survival, not from a place of power. Very interesting. Very interesting. Let's, let's continue this, this, this theme of communication and, and, and presenting from a place of power. And this occurred to me while I was talk, while I was listening to you and I was thinking about the great speakers I've witnessed and, and my own evolution in, in public speaking. And I love that you say all, all speaking is public. I agree. <laughs> uh, and you know, other than when I'm talking to myself, trying to talk yeah. myself into something. Um, yeah. I want to talk about visual aids for a second. Um, yeah. And I, I can remember very early in my career, and I was working on a big conference for my company, and we decided to have the CEO of one of our customers come spend 30 minutes. And it was a it was an all-hands internal meeting, and he was coming to talk about the value of our solution and kind of pump up our, our employees on the mission that we were driving. And I was responsible for making sure that he was well-prepared. And... Um, you know, I sent an email and I did all the right things and said, hey, you know, do you need me to review any slides? This is what we're hoping to get out of it. And he's like, no, 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 I'm all good. I'm all good. And then two days before, hey, you know, can I get a couple of slides? I'd like to get them queued up. No, I'm not going to have any slides. And at this point, you know, I'm so used to just tech conferences where it's death by PowerPoint. And I'm thinking, he doesn't have any slides. You know, this is going to be terrible. And I'll just never forget watching him get up on stage and for 30 minutes talk nonstop in a very compelling, I mean, he was telling stories, there was a very compelling flow, he wasn't all over the place, never at any time were, you know, at this point there weren't a lot of phones in the audience, which I'm dating myself, but, you know, he had the audience captivated and, and he was probably the best presentation out of all of the conference. And ever yeah. since then, I've, you know, at the time I remember thinking, wow, that's so incredible. I could never do that. I could never do that without the crutch of slides. Now, you know, two decades later, I find myself all the time arguing with people about, no, I don't have slides. It's okay. I don't have slides. Don't worry. Okay. Communication and presentation at work. What, what are your thoughts on visual aids versus just being able to stand up and, and captivate an audience for a period of time? Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree 100% with you. There is nothing more powerful than a human being on an empty stage in front of an audience, and that tradition 
takes us back to the origins of theater and frankly, how we develop language, a human being can run a campfire telling stories to their community. It is a primal connection. It is, it, it is, it is the ancestry of like how we developed as human beings, originated with all that. I find PowerPoint presentations, specifically the ones that are overly uh, doused in, in words and language, you know, it, it, it's a crutch and it, it's basically somebody afraid of actually holding the space and actually communicating what they're communicating because ultimately what we're doing is we're just reading the slides. You know, it's like you yeah. could have delivered that, you could have sent us the email, we would have seen right. it. Exactly. You know, we, we wouldn't have had to all fly here to see this. Like this. And there's something so special now because it, it happens so rare. The opportunity to be in a space live with other human beings that uh, – the simplicity of a, of a human being on stage capturing the audience, telling the story, is is by far for me the most gratifying. I actually just did a presentation. I was in Israel in Tel Aviv, and there's an event. It's it's called F-U-C-K Nights. I don't know if I can curse <laughs> here, um, but it's Go for it. and it's uh, and it's a big entrepreneurship thing. You know, there's so many. TED Talks and all this other stuff about people's successes and how amazing their lives are. And, you know, as you know, failure is a huge part of entrepreneurship. And, you know, these, this company was started, these events where people actually share their failures. And I was the last one to go, and I didn't, everybody else had a slide deck, a slide presentation. It felt like a, a, a pitch deck on their failures. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. And I stood up there and I said, I started and I said, it was a, a crisp, you know, summer, day, fall, you know, spring. I'm, now I'm making it up in the moment. But it was like, I was, it was a date, it was a time, it was a location, and there was poetry. And the moment I started, people were immediately in. And I had someone come up afterwards. I didn't use any slides. And she said, thank you so much for demonstrating the power of storytelling. Now, what happens is I had like an internal slide deck in my mind. But I was using words and language to to paint what there was to paint. And what happens is when I'm using language to do that, I'm actually triggering the audience's mirror neurons. So what happens is I'm actually engaging your brain to paint along with me. And it forms immediate connection. And, you know, for me, if, if you're doing a presentation, if you have slides that, that add to the, the theatricality of the event, and maybe it's an image, or something like that. I think that can be re really useful. I think it can be elegant. I can it can be thrilling, but I think minimal. And at the end of the day, my preference is a human being on stage, the human voice connecting to an audience. Nothing like it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It, when with <laughs> I and I love if you have to have a deck, then I want every slide to just be one big image. <laughs> that you know, if you need that to carry to like remind you the flow of your story or to add an exclamation point to a point you want to make with a visual cue, great. Other than that, like my feeling is, addition in addition to your comments on the text-heavy slides, the mind can only really process one set of information at once. And if yeah. somebody they they are either listening to you. Or they are trying to read and comprehend your slide. And yeah. I want them listening to me, right? Me. I want to be able to tell the story with my own emphasis and with my own, um, you know, 
stories and examples that go with it. I do not want them trying to get the gist of what I'm saying from reading the slides. So, okay, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your work today. And um, I know we met you through our amazing CMO, Deirdre Mann, who attended one of your workshops. So tell us a little bit about about what you're doing today with your workshop. Wonderful. So, you know, my business is called Fearless Communicators, and I believe that a fearless communicator is grounded in their body, present in mind, they lead from the heart, and they speak into the spirit of our shared humanity. So my speakers, and when I work with speakers, it's all about connection. It's all about standing on a stage authentically, vulnerably, powerfully, with the intention to connect with your audience to then transform, inspire, ignite. But it's, it's not standing up and showing off what you know. It's not standing up, you know, for you, <laughs> you know, for you as an individual. It, it really is speaking to serve. And, and I think when you stand in a space of generosity as a speaker, what happens is your audience becomes generous with you. And then you have this cycle of generosity, and it's absolute magic. So I, I have the privilege of working one-on-one -on -one with clients. I, I support people who are giving, you know, TEDx talks, you know, recent authors, you know, people who are uh, in, in the landscape, uh, you know, UN diplomats, people who are in the landscape of using their voice for a purpose. And I work with them on the crafting and the delivery of talks that are going to amplify that message. And then I do this one event, it's called the Fearless Force Public Speaking for Visionary Women Leaders. You know, and as a queer Latino man, you know, it's part of my commitment to, uh, to amplify the landscape and looking at the landscape and seeing something, a, a space that is dominated primarily, you know, by, by white heterosexual male, uh, men. You know, I was looking around, I was like, what are the, what are the stories that we haven't heard? Who are, what are the voices that we need to hear more of? What are the point of views? What are, what are the perspectives? And, and I was, and I saw a definite absence of women. And I was like, that doesn't work for me. So I'm going to create what I can to make that happen. So it is with humility and privilege that I hold the space. And I say this as a man, you know, and it is with permission of the women in the group that I actually hold the space. And uh, I'll share this with you. I've been called a story doula. And, uh, and what that is, is, you know, someone holding space for the story to emerge and then bringing it to light. And I hold these cohorts. I've done four in New York, one in San Francisco, and I'm going to be doing three in Australia in September. And what we do is we work with cohorts of women on the crafting of an original TED style speech, you know, as an opportunity, one, for them to have a breakthrough in fearless speaking, in standing in their authenticity, standing in their power. Some of these women have spoken before. Some of these women are accomplished speakers. Some of them are not, you know, and what we're doing is we're, we're looking for a new way of speaking that is grounded in authenticity. It's grounded in the integrity of their voice, in their point of view, and what it is that they have to say to serve again. And, uh, and it's a six-day intensive. We do two days back-to-back. Then we do some one-on-one -on -one sessions, and at the end of the of the workshop, we create an event where they deliver the talk in front of a live audience. So it's super, super juicy, and I'm really excited. So in September, we're going to be in Melbourne the first week of, of September. Then we're going to be in Sydney, and then we're going to be in Brisbane. And then we're going back to Tel Aviv in October, and then we're back in New York City in uh, in November. Wow. So it's a, it's, a full, it's a full global schedule here. And, you know, and I do also do corporate work. So I come into workshop, I, I, I do a workshop called Hacking the Fear of Public Speaking. 
And and like I spoke at the beginning, you know, my, my interest in public speaking workshop, there's so many public speaking coaches, you know, that come from more of a business background. Mine, mine is all theatrical. So I come from the theater. And I think the the body part of it is missing in most training. And that's where we dig in. We talk about the body. We talk about the mind. Because if you're not talking about the body, you're not talking about the mind, then you're just putting lipstick on a you-know-what. Right. Interesting. Wow, sounds great. I I would love to uh, I would love to do one myself. Oh my gosh! So you have yeah, to come out to San Francisco. Open your golden gates and let the body exactly. wait at the door. <laughs> I know it would be a great time. I can tell you that. Okay, so quickly tell people how they can learn more about your your service, and then I've got our little fire rapid rapid fire questions for the end of our podcast. Awesome. So, you know, they can find me at www.fearlesscommunicators.com. And they can also follow me on Instagram at stand, S-T-A-N-D, for the number four, fearless. Again, that's stand for fearless. And uh, you can also follow me on Facebook at Fearless Communicators. You know, and I have a special gift for anybody who is listening to this. And they'd like to shoot me an email at eduardo at fearlesscommunicators.com. I have a, a free PDF. It's called 10 Simple Backstage Tips to Turn You from a Speaker to a Star. So it would be my gift uh, to, to anyone who's listening who would want that. And it's a, a pocket PDF guide, so you can keep it in your back pocket. So next time you speak, you can engage with your body. You can shift the mind and really stand and speak from a place of power. Awesome. Thank you for offering that. Of course. Okay. Coming to the end of our podcast and our time together, I need a one-word answer, or some of these are, are more like three words. Um, <laughs> so here, here we go. Speaking on stage or for a video or digitally, say over a live video, which is the most difficult? So A, on stage, B, video, C, digital voice recording like this one. I would say video. Okay. Uh, number two, when you make a mistake during a presentation, do you A, recognize it and apologize? B, go back and correct it? C, just keep going or make a joke? I say keep going or make a joke. Okay. Now, last question. You've got an urgent message to give. Which mode of communication do you prefer? Text, live phone call, video call, or a walkie-talkie to talk functionality? Video call. I like it. Okay. Well, can I, I, give, Eduardo, can I, can I give a quick little caveat just, just quickly about why I think video can be the most difficult? Sure. Just quickly. The reason why I said that is because on stage, you actually have the ability to gauge people live in a room. And sometime with video, uh, you, you're, you, the technology can be the obstruction. And I think the biggest hint for people when you're when you are speaking on video is always imagine and always connect with a human being on the other side. Don't get blocked by the technology, but always connect with a human being. That makes total sense. Thank you for clarifying that. Well, Eduardo, it was really I learned a lot. It was uh, great to have you on. I think a lot of our listeners will will want to participate in your in your session going forward. So, thank you very much for your time and participation today. Thank you so much for having me, and have a fabulous, fearless day. Thank you.